0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. So hello, everybody. Tom Gray, CTO at Launchpad, back again for another Frankly podcast. And today I'm joined by Amin from the Stride team. Amin, could you introduce yourself? Hi, good morning, afternoon,
1: and good evening, everyone. Amin, uh, head of processing at Stride. I started my career in the oil and gas industry with a contractor as a land uh, seismic processing geophysicist. And I joined the complex imaging R&D team at BP in the UK, where I became the land uh, seismic expert, supporting different BP assets around the world and working in research projects, which the Stride technology was actually used to be called the Cheetah Project. I had the privilege to really be a part of this amazing development team right from the beginning. And I saw the technology mature to become basically commercially ready
0: and become Stride. So that's me in a Brilliant. Can you tell us a little bit more about Stride and what the Stride technology is used for? Before I talk about the Stride technology, it's probably it would be good
1: to uh, briefly talk about what is seismic. I always like to compare seismic to a medical ultrasound. They are very similar. I mean, they just replace the human body basically with the planet. At different scales, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the principle is quite simple. You, you use sound waves uh, that are generated by a controlled source. Usually these are shaking trucks we call size And these sound waves will propagate in the, the subsurface and they will bounce back at geological interfaces and are recorded by special microphones that are placed on the surface uh, of the earth and the stride system is actually one of those microphones. When the data is recorded, then, you know, it's converted into a 2D or a 3D or even a 4D movie image of the subsurface through a process called seismic uh, processing. Why is it so different from other systems? It really comes down to its size and weight. At 150 grams and 13 by 4 centimeter size of the node, the stride nodes is the smallest and lightest node in the market by quite a margin, actually. And then also its harvesting system is also the most compact system in the industry. Just for an example, one of our largest systems can charge a harvest 20,000 nodes per day with, with one person actually on the shift. So it has significant... Benefits, especially from an operational point of view, will impact the cost, the efficiency and the time and the SGCC, especially in difficult terrain. The nodes can be deployed anywhere a person can walk without the need of line preparation, which is sometimes quite dramatic, especially when it's a forested area. Usually... Miles of trees are cut to allow vehicles to transport cable systems with the associated risk, time, cost and impact to the environment. You know, with these nodes, you literally eliminate the need for line cutting for receivers in this area. And even when the environment actually is easier to work on, you still benefit from the reduced weight and volume of equipment, which means less
0: vehicles, less people. Thank you. And it's fascinating because... I never really thought about the environmental impact of doing these surveys. You're saying you're potentially chopping down trees to create paths to be able to lay down these technologies normally yeah, versus being yeah. able to just walk them around.
1: I remember when we were in the R&D phase, I went to Siberia to look at the environments. That was the first round when we went to see the what they call the line cutting crews. So these are the, the guys that go and prepare the lines before the ATVs, which are tanks actually, come later on to, <laughs> to flatten the ground. As a geophysicist, you rarely have the chance to see that your work is impacting people's mm-hmm. life. But that was the first time when I really saw something that I thought, actually, this technology is really going to change these people's lives. So uh, these three guys, they were literally walking in the snow <laughs> up to, to their way with the chains cutting trees. It was minus 40 degrees. That was Siberia. And obviously waiting behind them, there was a huge military tank just waiting for them to finish so that they can... It, it could flatten the the area so that another truck could come in with the cable system to lay them on. It was really tough job, obviously. I always admired these workers, but I thought, gosh, this technology will probably change
0: their life. And you were talking a little bit about the environmental impact. I guess this is a technology that's come out of the oil and gas sector, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the other areas that you're starting to apply this technology into for perhaps alternative energy hmm. sources in the future as well.
1: Yeah, similar to ultrasound, our technology is completely agnostic to the application. It doesn't really care about the application as long as an industry has a need to acquire knowledge of the subsurface, seismic is usually used. So although oil and gas has pushed this technology to its limits, we are basically bringing this to other industries. One of the first industries who actually have embraced this technology was the geothermal in 2020 when the oil and gas industry was in a downturn, the geothermal was actually doing quite well and they saw that there was a benefit in our technology, especially in in urban environments where our nose actually very easy height. I think we did about five different projects in, in mm. Europe for geothermal. Actually nowadays, you know, all these companies have, have taken our system as their main system basically for acquiring seismic. We used it for um, seismic risk as well to inform an area where there is a lot of earthquakes, for example, to try to understand the subsurface and the risk of a future earthquake. We've uh, even used it for archaeology, we use it for mining, we use nice. it for uh, micro-seismicity. The CCUS, for example, will require seismic not only to detect the right geological layers that can capture the carbon but also to monitor it so that what you have injected in that specific layer stays where it is.
0: CCUS being carbon capture and under surface storage. It's actually carbon capture utilization and storage. And you're yeah. talking sort of imagining this this system being used in potentially quite extreme environments, but you're saying also in urban environments as well. So is that literally people with backpacks full of little orange okay. nodes in the streets of European cities? basically
1: <laughs> that's correct yeah that's exactly what they do they just put these nodes on the backpack and there's little tablet that you preload with the receiver points where you want to deploy those nodes it's a bit like a google map basically you follow the map and then it, it takes you to the position where you need to put the node there's a process called initializing the node which is basically waking the node up just To ask it to start recording and you plant it, you go. The node will just keep recording continuously, non stop, for up to a month if you want to. You don't have to, but you can leave them there for a complete month and they will record seismic. And then you go and collect them and then you extract the seismic signal from
0: them. So, if you're ever out for a walk in a major European city and you see a little orange node somewhere, please leave it. Leave yeah. it. Take yeah, it home. please leave it. Yeah, don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so you we talked a little bit about the capturing of this data in the first place, but you also sort of alluded to the processing, and you were saying that that can take quite a long time compared to the kind of instant pictures that you can get of your uh, unborn child. Could you say a little bit more about that?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, seismic imaging is, is much more complex than, than ultrasound, and it takes a long time.
0: Obviously, it, it
1: depends on the size of the project. A small 2D lines could take a few days or a few weeks to do, but typical 3D big projects, and it's not uncommon to see 3d processing project take a year or two it is a long time and the reason is there's the sheer amount of data that is generated by these kind of surveys but also the complexity of the processing is also plays a big role in this. <laughs> Going yeah. back to the ultrasound example, imagine if a doctor takes an ultrasound picture of a patient and he says, I'll send you the picture in two years. I think that would be a bit, <laughs> a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> the way our technology helps with that side is that our system allows the uh, big counter-in-intuitive, but because we allow the acquisition of much denser data sets, that's kind of big data for size. it yeah. has the potential to deliver better products with much less fiddling with the processing. You let the data drive itself drive the processing
0: interesting and i guess it's not just about the final product either i mean there's also potentially processing to give people sort of early views of that data or to give them kind of qa reassurance around the kind of quality of that data exactly the that's
1: the that's a very fair point actually the seismic product is not one product
0: it's probably taking pictures
1: <laughs> at, at a wedding at a wedding party. You, you know, You take a picture and then you probably want to show the person on the camera screen. That's like the first view and then maybe give them some samples on your mobile phone. That's like a second view. And then the guy would probably spend about a month photoshopping the pictures and doing some artwork. And that's when they frame it and, and send it to you. It's exactly the same thing for seismic. When you do the acquisition in the field, you want something really quick so that you know that your seismic is of good quality. And that's what we right. obviously offer as well. But that seismic is then run through what we call fast tracks, which are processing sequences that are predefined and there's very little room for parameterization. So then you just run it through it. So the output is whatever it is. And that's a second product. And then you got third product, which is the final production processing,
0: which is requires a lot of tlc and that's actually what usually takes longer interesting thank you and changing topic a little bit you were telling about how you started off with this as the cheetah project many many years ago i was just wondering what has been your experience in moving from that being a project to being a company what's that journey been like for you i guess highs and lows right
1: (laughs) yeah it's been an amazing journey it's uh you know when i was offered the opportunity to to join Stride, I was obviously, you know, quite torn between leaving uh, a comfort zone at BP, what I used to call the seismic dream team. People around <laughs> around me and in, in the complex imaging R&D team were absolutely, well, they still are actually quite amazing people, highly skilled and expert in many different fields. Joining this new entity, Stride, obviously a lot of opportunities, but also it, it had the startup uncertainty tagged, <laughs> uh, right. tagged to it. As anyone, you get a bit scared, but in a way there were three reasons why really I kind of didn't really hesitate that much to move to Stride anyway. First of all is that I'm quite passionate about technology and in general and geophysics in particular. And Stride, in a way, was a continuation of this fantastic journey that started with the Cheetah project, nurtured this passion and offered this great space for innovation and learning. And now it's offering a great opportunity to develop business and leadership skills and in a startup environment, which is also quite unique. The second reason is that I truly believed in this. Well, I still believe in this technology and that it can make high quality seismic affordable for all industries. And this is our vision. And I always believed in that. And what a great reward for geophysics to be a part of a birth of a new seismic technology, which is like reinventing the wheel for seismic. Then join the commercial phase to deliver it to the end users, hopefully to see this impact on the business and people and the environment as we discussed. And the third and the final point is that working for a startup, I knew that it was going to put me outside my comfort zone. And this was very exciting. And looking back at my career, that's often when where significant developments have happened. So it's a kind of a formula that worked well for me. And hopefully Stride is not the exception to this rule. <laughs> oh, it I'm isn't sure so far not. anyway. Yeah. I'm sure it's <laughs>
0: Yeah. And what's next for you I suppose for you and for stride
1: Now we kind of reached kind of a cruising speed we have penetrated many markets uh, the oil and gas of course but also the geothermal the uh, mining the micro seismicity clients are you know trusting us now and our system is being you know it's used for on um, proper production bidding projects around the world so it's all going well on my side although i spent my first part of my time at stride to doing a lot of what we call tech transfer from the r&d phase to the uh, commercial phase of basically just sharing and bringing all that knowledge i acquired during the r d to the team especially our team is very diverse actually it came from very different industries and uh, some of them have never heard of seismic before that was it's it's great opportunity basically to share knowledge both ways you know they bring a lot of experience from their own industry as well so now my role at stride is really to start building those processing capabilities we discussed by using the best of our knowledge of the data sets the format and also try to speed up that turnaround. It's very painful. And also, maybe bringing the image uh, as close as possible to the field as well,
0: so that people can start having a look at not a final image, but something that is close to it right in the field. Wonderful. Sounds like it's been an amazing journey so far. And it sounds like it's just really beginning. So, thank uh, you it, for sharing it, yeah. that. No, no problem at all.
1: It's, you know, uh, it's, as you said, it's probably just the beginning. The stride nodes are also we are seeing a lot of interest from people you know always finding a new application for for the nodes and we as i said all those industries that we we talked about they are industries that use a geology but actually as a sensor you could also use uh, use the nodes for other applications like mm-hmm. sensing for example we talked with some universities about using the nodes for animal monitoring, you could use it to record building vibrations, monitoring glacials, for example, basically your imagination is the limit.
0: Thank you so much. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You're very
1: welcome. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to this
0: podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I think we're pretty much out of time, but hopefully everyone found that really interesting. Thank you so much for joining us and please do check out stride so stride is s-t-r-y-d-e and their website is stridefurther.com and as ever do check out bp launchpad's website as well which is itslaunchpad.com thank you everybody